So this morning we have a special teacher for our class, and uh, we're joined today by Dr. Eric Weathers, graduate of the Master's Seminary twice over, and he's also, he works for TMAI, the Master's Academy International. I'll have more to say about him and TMAI later before he preaches. But this morning he's going to work through what is TMAI and what are they doing to train up pastors, to train up men, to train up church planters in the world. So before he comes up, let me just open us in prayer this morning. Lord, we do come before you this morning, the Lord's day, to learn, to study, to worship. We come before you to submit our will to yours. I pray this morning that we might have a heart for missions, that we might have a heart for the lost, other cultures, Lord, that we would desire to see them saved. Help us this morning to learn and grow and support a worthy organization with prayer, Lord, with our church's giving. And Lord, we do pray that your name would be glorified in every word that we speak here and everything that we do. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, everybody. As uh, Michael said, I'm Eric Weathers. It's my wife, Debbie. So we're in from the great state of Texas. You ever heard of Texas? We live in this state, and we're very glad for that. We're thankful for that. Um, This morning, we're going to talk about the Master's Academy International. I'm going to ask this question again during the service. So uh, when I ask the question again during the the, the main service, uh, make sure you just kind of follow along with it, and everybody else will understand what's going on. So have you ever heard, raise your hand, have you ever heard of TMAI, the Master's Academy International, great. Keep your hand up if you, and I'm not going to ask you to do this, but keep it up if you could talk for 30 seconds about everything that we do. Okay, we're going to fix that this morning. You could, you could, I know you could. (laughs) We're going to fix that this morning because as uh, John MacArthur, uh, he's uh, on our board, and he said during a staff meeting one day that TMAI is the world's best kept secret in missions. And I've heard him say that before, but this time I was ready for him. A response ready to go, and I'm not usually that good with quick responses, so I I like to plan things out. And I say, yes, Pastor John, but we're here to change that. And so my role at TMAI, uh, the good thing is about my role at TMAI is though um, I live in Texas because that gets me around the country more quickly, and I can tell the story about what we do. So you're going to learn a lot about TMAI this morning, and in order to do that, we're going to have to turn in our Bibles to the Great Commission. We're not going to spend a lot of time there. I'm not going to exegete the text. I'm not going to preach the text, but I want to walk us through it. And as you're turning there, let me just point out a few things. First of all, uh, TMEI put out a book, and I have a bunch of these over here. Uh, You're more than welcome to take it. We don't charge for these. Uh, This is a uh, devotional, and it's written by our students and our graduates all over the world. So each and every page has a different author from somewhere in the world. It could be Africa, it could be uh, secret points in Asia or India, it could be, um, you know, Europe, or it's just all over the world. So grab one for your family and enjoy reading through those each and every day. I also have a, what we call a quarterly impact report. Now this is a report that we don't give to everybody. Uh, I give it to churches when I visit, and I want you to just take it home and pray for these 
uh, training centers. It's just a bullet point, maybe five bullet points for each one of our 17 training centers around the world. And it allows you to just kind of get an update of what's happening, uh, snapshots all over the world of what we're doing. So those are back there as well. Last but not least, because we're trying to make TMAI more well-known, is we have these little cards. It's also back here on the chairs. Um, I've got some skin in the game here. So fill out the card, uh, your address, your telephone number, your, your email. And so what we'll do is uh, once or twice a month, we just shoot out an email about what's going on at TMEI around the world. It's just a quick update, and that helps us to make TMEI a better-known missions organization. So that's helpful. Now, I say I have some skin in the game. So what we'll do later in the week, Pastor will draw two cards, and the, the winners, that sounds really providential and sovereign and holy, doesn't it? But the winners will get to pick out a John MacArthur book in your uh, bookstore here, and TMEI will pick up the tab. So that's why I want you to fill these out. We want to keep in touch with you. And more importantly, we want, we want you to know how we're training pastors around the world. So make sure you remember to do that. So I mentioned, uh, I mentioned uh, the Great Commission, Matthew. Let me open it there myself. Matthew, I want you to think about the Great Commission a little differently this time. I'm going to read the text. I'm going to go from verses 16 through 20. Most people like to say the Great Commission is just verses 18 and 19, but you know what? It really includes uh, 16, because here's the reason. It says this, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. How many? Help me out here. Eleven. He's talking to 11 guys. Now, there's an argument that there's probably more than 11 people there, but there's at least these 11. I want you to think about that. 11 guys. And watch what he tells them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Why would they be doubtful? He was just crucified. It's like, is this really happening? Right? Right? We don't expect people to raise from the dead and we see them having a conversation with us. Some were doubtful. Would you be a little bit doubtful? I would be doubtful. Is that really the guy or is this Photoshop? Right? You get the idea. Verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them. Who? The 11 guys, right? Saying to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and here's the commission. Go therefore and make disciples. Now, in our circles of churches, we know what the command is. It's not go, it's make. The idea is you will be going. So it's make disciples of all the nations, of all the ethnicities of the world. Don't think of the maps of the globe when you think of nations. Think of ethnicities, of people, people groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe who is he talking to? Eleven guys. All that I've ever commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. All right, so eleven guys. Let's say you're one of them. You're standing there, maybe sitting, and Jesus says, I want you to go into the entire world, and I want you to tell them everything I've ever told you. Well, now, if you're one of those, and you're from Bernie, Texas, and you're thinking, Who's going to go to Bernie? Who's going to go to Jakarta, Indonesia? 
Who's going to South Africa? Who's going to Australia? Who's going to Singapore? Who's going to go to Alaska? There's only 11 guys. And oh, by the way, it's not just 11 guys. It's 11 guys that have to tell everybody and baptize everybody, tell them everything that Jesus has ever told them. Does that make sense? 11 guys? That's a big task. Could all of us in this room do that throughout the world and tell everybody around the world what Jesus said? So how, if you're one of them, you're probably thinking to yourself, how is this even possible? I'd probably say, stand up and say, Jesus, that's not possible. But then church history starts to catch up. That day ends, the clock moves forward. We get over to Acts chapter 2, and Peter's preaching a sermon, right? He preaches this sermon, and who's he speaking to? Well, a number of people are those that crucified him, crucified Christ. And he gives them the gospel. And he points to them, and he says, you're the ones that killed him. And who remembers? This, this can be two-way. Who remembers what happened? What did they say? Help me. Anybody? They said, uh-oh. They were convicted, right? Now what do we do? Remember what Peter said to them? Repent and be baptized. And that day, how many people were added to the church? 3,000, right? Okay. 3,000. There's an argument that in this Great Commission, perhaps the 500 from 1 Corinthians 15, perhaps the 500 were there and they were witnessing this message that Jesus preached about the Great Commission. So on that day, we could arguably say there was 11 people, maybe 511, but Acts chapter 2, we've added 3,000. How are we going to reach the world with the gospel of Christ? Well, we're going to add from those 11, we're going to make it 3,511. All of a sudden, this seems to make a little more sense. 3,511 people can certainly, of course there were more, but you get the idea. Certainly more of them can reach that culture, that area, and, and they can cross borders, and that's what they did. The church grew, right? So we went from 11 disciples to 3,511 church history. What happens next? We kind of fast forward. We get into the Reformation, which really started in about mm, 1200 AD. Now, preaching of God's word took place, solidifying a lot of the, uh, the doctrines that, that were solidified even, you know, 325 AD and other, and other councils that happened. But by the time we get to the Reformation, the church had expanded significantly. Bibles were being printed all over the place. The church was growing. Martin Luther made a big dent, nailed the 95 theses to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg. Anybody ever been there? It's a cool place. You've got to go to Wittenberg. So the church continues to grow. And it doesn't seem so difficult to get the church, to get the gospel to America. 1492, right? Came here. Gospels preached. The nation continues to hear the word of God. There's a church here in Bernie, Texas. How long have you been here? Five years? If the 11 guys, 511, 3,511 didn't do their job, would you be here? Probably not. So now it's our turn, right? So let's go to the next slide. It's our turn. So church history is behind us. Those generations are gone, and now it is our job to fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime. But how do we do it? Let's go to the next slide. 
Okay. So we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to tell them everything that Jesus told them. Is our commission any, any different than what the 11 heard? It's the same commission, right? There's just more of us. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. What did Jesus command them to do? A lot, but here's some of it, right? There's so much that he commanded them. We're just going to have to boil it down a little bit. So he said, he said follow me. That's Mark 2.14. It was an imperative. You follow me, exclamation point. Believe also in me. You can see those. Uh, you can see that in John 6.29, John 14.1. He preached a message of repentance. That's turning from sin. Uh, that's the message he preached. That's the message we are to preach. That's very simple. And then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let's do the next slide. Okay. I want to introduce you to Pastor Sammy Labalo. He is a pastor in the Soweto Township. Uh, probably couples my age, you've heard of Soweto. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Soweto. That's where the flashpoint of apartheid happened in South Africa. Uh, Soweto now is about 2.5 million people. The white people, years ago in Soweto, they forced the black people into uh, this township, into this ghetto. And the only way you could get out, if you were black, is if you had a permission slip from a white person that you're going to go maybe clean their house or something to that effect. Sammy's a pastor there. And Sammy was trained in the TMEI training center in Palakwani, South Africa. They taught him how to study God's word. They taught him Greek and Hebrew. And now he can preach, uh, not just in English, but in Zulu and Sutu. He's one expositor in an area of 2.5 million people. Let me let you hear from Sammy. My name is Sammy Libalo. I'm a pastor at Malazani Baptist Church. We are um, a church of about 45 um, adults and 15 children. The reason I went to Christ Seminary was that um, I desire to be um, thoroughly equipped to handle the Word of God, that I may be able to um, serve in the local church, especially in my mind was um, more in a township setting. Um, Christ Seminary was recommended to me by Joseph Matlala. He was our pastor by then and a student at Christ Seminary, and he's currently a professor at Christ Seminary. So I admired how he handled the Word of God and how he reasoned from the scriptures, and um, I was um, eager and have that desire to also uh, be able to share the Word of God in a way that it will glorify God. Um, before then, uh, well, I used to just um, preach um, out of my own head, like especially copying um, other sermons from um, guys like Kenneth Copeland and just saying things that were um, not scriptural, but say like I want people to hear um, what's in my mind, but then going to Christ Seminary was more um, to help me, um, not to say things that are in my mind, but um, to um, echo what is in the scriptures and that's what um, I've learned um, through my years at seminary how to handle the word of God and also appreciate um, the professors there um, how not only did they taught us how to handle the scriptures but mainly 
how to live um, a godly life. So they model that. And I remember Pastor Dave Bigley um, during our graduation, he mentioned something to say, um, we're not going to be perfect preachers. We may still err in our preaching, but what is important for us is to pursue holiness. And um, that has been my desire, that even though I will be struggling at times handling the passage of Scripture, but um, my love for God and uh, my love for His people should continue to be a motivation of why I want to be diligent in handling the Scriptures. Sammy is a dear brother in Christ. He, I, I went to his church and I told the, the TMEI leadership, I said, make sure you let him know I'm coming because <laughs> I wanted to hear him preach. And they forgot to tell him, so I'm the only white guy in the building and I'm sitting in the back and he had no idea why I was even there. <clears throat> but what fascinated me about this church is when they did their music, they did it in English and in Zulu and in Sutu. And each song that was started was started by somebody sitting in the pews like you're sitting here. And it was the most beautiful voices, a woman or a man or some individual would start the hymn, uh, either in English, as I said, or in Zulu and Sutu, and we'd sing this thing. And it was just amazing. And, you know, it might be just a drum they're beating or some other instrument that was indigenous to their area. And then so we sang, and then Sammy took the pulpit, just like any self-respecting TMAI graduate or TMS graduate would do, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 3, excuse me, 1. We're in, the, in verses 9 through whatever he was doing that day. And he says, this is where we left off last week, right? And then he preached that text. He preached that text. And I said to myself, if, if I lived here, this is where I would go to church because he's preaching the truth. He did just as he was taught to do, just like the other 2,000 current students that we have around the world right now, we even have about 6,000 graduates. So he's just one of those guys who are teaching God's word. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, so how shall we make disciples? We know from Romans 10, uh, Paul walks us through that. Let's take a look at Romans 10 real quick. Excuse me, yeah, Romans 10, verses 8 through 15. And I just want to take a look at the passage and just solidifying our minds a little bit more about the Great Commission, because it's more than just what Jesus gave them, because he told them to teach everything I've told you. And so this is Paul's, uh, his commission to the church. And um, Romans 10, verses 8 through 15, we read these words. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on him, on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Now, Excuse me, how then will they hear, excuse me, how then will they call on him whom they have, heard, have not believed, and how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So we talk about preaching. We talk about confessing Jesus is Lord. We talk about believing that God raised him from the dead, 
And we talk about um, all those uh, calling on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? This is the message that we are to be a part of. Why? So that people can hear God's word. But preachers must be trained. And they must be sent. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we as a church send everybody. It can't mean that. We can't. But uh, as part of the Great Commission, we have to be a part of sending people. You are sending your pastor to shepherd you. You're sending your elders to shepherd you. You're raising other people to take roles of responsibility and to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. What you are doing here in your local church in Bernie, Texas, is what we are training these shepherds to do in local churches on a global scale all over the world. So let's go to the next slide. And I want to introduce to you Dr. Charlie Ronfimedze. I had to work on the pronunciation of that many times. He had to walk me through it, right? Remember listening to him? Uh, anyway. So Charlie is the president of Christ Theological Seminary in Palakwani, South Africa. Palakwani is the very far north of South Africa. Uh, it's not so far from Zimbabwe. And he is the man who shepherds this school. Uh, and his efforts will... Uh, they. Uh, he also reaches into Zimbabwe and Mozambique and other areas around him to train shepherds to uh, equip their churches. So let me hear, let you hear from Charlie. My name is Charlie Ramfumezi. I am the president of Christ Seminary Bulugwane in South Africa. We are training shepherd expositors, a man who can lead the congregation and also who can take the Bible and do the thorough exposition of the Bible. Uh, because we identify this uh, great need in our villages and also in our township uh, for the churches that are dying without the spiritual milk of the word. And I would need men who can exposit the scriptures and feed the congregation and also impact this village and the continent at large. Thank you. One of the important things about the Masters Academy International is that we're looking to, <clears throat> we have these schools, but we want full indigenous leadership. Charlie has a doctorate from the Master's Seminary, and so he leads the school. It's in his care. Now, us Americans are involved to some extent, but he is the president. And uh, what's good about that is that then he can train others through their master's degrees and even uh, doctorates. He, he is well-equipped to do that. He is, as you can see, uh, South African. And that's just wonderful news. Now. Um, our school in Samara, Russia, for example. John, you'll be very familiar with this one. School in Samara, Russia. It's important that we train up the nationals to lead these schools because we know that there's coming a time Americans will probably be kicked out, and that's what happened in Russia. Uh, our leadership team came out for Shepherds Conference, the Americans. We've been training up the Russians for 30 years, but when our guys went back into Russia, they landed. Uh, the Russians made it through all customs and immigration, but the Americans didn't. They said, you're going home. Where do you want to land in the U.S. tomorrow? And one of our guys, who's our executive vice president at TMAI, his wife and children were on the other side of that barricade. He couldn't even go to them. He had a house, car, lived there, functioned there, had their lives there, but he couldn't get back in. And so he and our guy Sasha, that was in front of him in the line, went through and Brian, our guy, said, Sasha, you're the leader now. 
we can't come in. And so now it's Russian-led. We give them support. We give them help. We pray for them. We give them financial support where they need it. We also, you know, hold them accountable to their theological positions. But it's a Russian-run school, and that's our goal for every school around the world. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, so what is our mission here? TMEI is committed to fulfilling the Great Commission by training indigenous church leaders to be approved pastor teachers able to equip their churches to make biblically sound disciples. Sounds like what the elder board from any church would want in hiring a pastor. Is that that's your function here, pastor? Why would it be any different anywhere around the world? Right? So that's what we're looking to do. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, but how are disciples made in Japan? Because after all, that's a different culture, right? Japan is a different culture. Japan is a secular culture. Uh, Japan is a culture where, in a lot of cases, work is what they worship. The first one in and the last one out is the most respected. And so what that means is very long days. Uh, the men come home to, in this case, maybe their families, their wives, and they see them very briefly because they got to go to bed and get ready for the next morning. Do that for a career. They retire. They come home, and the wife wants nothing to do with them didn't know who you are. So the gospel is really important. About five years ago, I met with Daisuke Okada, who's our president of our school in Japan. We met in Singapore. And I said, Daisuke, how many people do you know that are expositors, pastors that stand up and exposit a text like you and I would want in a church? And he says, I know of two in the whole country. It was about five years ago. Since then, we've added Japan as one of our schools. Uh, he has conferences for pastors, and they've done training for the last five years. Now they have 50 to 75 people attending their conferences, shepherds' conferences. They're teaching these shepherds how to exposit God's word right there in Japan. Uh, so we have several leaders in Japan that are doing this school. Uh, Japan is a very dense population, so the professors have to travel throughout the country to train these pastors, and that's exactly what they do. And what do they teach them? They teach them what Jesus told them to do in Matthew 28. They teach them things like we just read in Romans 10. So let's go to the next slide. What about uh, Central America? There's five nations in Central America. We have a school in Honduras, in Siwatapeque, Honduras. It's right in the middle of the country. And they are responsible for not just training Honduran pastors, but they have students there from all over the five nations of uh, Central America, even some in from South America. And you're about to meet one of the students from a closed access country in just a moment. I'll tell you about that person. Let's go to the next slide. I want you to uh, greet via video uh, one of our professors, Edwin Ziala. He is our uh, resident Greek expert, outstanding in the Greek uh, biblical text. And I asked him, um, Edwin, the importance of your work, how important is it to reaching other nations? So I want you to hear from his perspective what that is. This is the uh, school that you're going to see behind him that was just built about two years ago. Actualmente tengo 25 estudiantes. Uh, currently I have 25 students. Y cuando yo pienso en una clase, no pienso tanto en el impacto a la persona misma, sino el impacto a las iglesias que estoy haciendo. And when I'm teaching in a class, I don't look at just the impact that I'm having on these people, but I try to look beyond it of, of the impact that this is having at, at their congregation. 
Por ejemplo, cuando tengo estos 25 estudiantes, yo estoy pensando en 25 iglesias. So when I have these 25 students, I'm actually thinking about 25 churches. Y eso me mantiene ser dar lo máximo de mí. And so that motivates me to uh, just pursue excellence in this. Y a través de los años he visto el impacto que esto ha causado. And throughout the years I've seen the impact of this. Por ejemplo, actualmente hay un estudiante que ya se graduó del Salvador que él ahora está enseñando griego. Uh, for instance, uh, there's a student uh, of mine before uh, who is now graduated and he was one of my Greek students and now he's teaching Greek. Y eso está yendo fuera de Honduras. Él está ahora en El Salvador haciendo esto. And this is what he's doing. He's a, from El Salvador, and now he's doing it in El Salvador. Incluso lo hemos usado aquí en el seminario para cuando yo no puedo dar una clase en particular. In fact, uh, we've been able to use him to substitute me when I wasn't able to teach Greek. Entonces, el impacto que está causando el seminario es increíble. So the impact that seminary is creating is really incredible. Porque no solamente tiene que ver con los estudios que vienen, los estudiantes que vienen aquí, sino se amplía más, mucho más allá. It doesn't have to do just with the students that come here, but it goes beyond that. It goes to their churches. Y eso es lo que el Señor está haciendo aquí en el seminario en Meda, a través de todas las clases que ofrecemos. And that's what the Lord is doing here at CEPE through all the classes that we offer. One of the things I want you to really key in on is that though we only have 17 brick and mortar schools around the world, this being one of them in Honduras, you, you, you hear American news and you hear just how awful Central America is. And, and they have it tough, but you know what? There's some godly people there who want to stay and they want to equip uh, their own people to reach their own country. Um, they want to train the nations around them, people in the nations around them. So. As you heard, one of the students from El Salvador is now training his own people in El Salvador. This is uh, about a year and a half ago we took this video. And now El Salvador is on the short list to becoming one of the TMAI training centers. You would think, well, it's neighboring countries. They're not all that much bigger than a state in the U.S. But if you've ever been to Central America, it's not easy getting from one small country to another, nor is it safe. And so we are working very closely with uh, Salvadorians to reach their own people with the gospel of Christ. Now, sure, we could send an American down there. Uh, they got to learn the language. They have to learn the culture. They have to get all their documentation. They have to renew their documentation. And maybe 10 years down the road, they'll be effective, much more effective to train the Salvadorian and the Honduran and the Costa Rican to reach their own people and much less uh, much more cost-effective. So let's go to the next slide. So what about Zimbabwe? I mentioned Zimbabwe just a moment ago. Um, so you, you have Africa comes down, South Africa on the bottom. If you just go a little bit north of South Africa, you have Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Malawi. Uh, so how do you reach Zimbabwe? It's um, uh, a communist nation. Uh, price of gas is somewhere between 4 and $6 a gallon. It's a poor country. How do we get our students from Zimbabwe into South Africa? Well, sometimes we can get them in, but other times we have to go to them so we can help them reach their country. Very dangerous for them to come to us, very dangerous for us to go to them, but you know what? Jesus said, don't go if it's dangerous. He said, in fact, you will suffer for my namesake. So we have to reach these nations with the gospel because the gospel is the only thing that's going to fix the situation of people. 
of men and women who need the Lord. And so we reach into Zimbabwe and we carry the gospel because this is what Jesus told us we have to do. Let's go to the next slide. Well, there's the map. So Zimbabwe is just, as I said, right above South Africa there. Next slide. Uh, we've already gone through TMA's mission, but I wanted you to see it one more time. It's no different than your church. We're not trying to create an American church all over the world. We're trying to create biblical churches all over the world to reach their own cultures, and they're going to look different. They're going to do things a little different. But in the end, they're going to be preaching a text, starting in a book, chapter 1, verse 1, and eventually finishing that book. Okay, let's go to the next one. Here, here's uh, Pastor um, Elia Wadala Kwenda. He is in um, Malawi. He's in Malawi. He's a pastor of a Hope, uh, Hope Community Church. You'll see the church building behind him. I love this man. Uh, he wants to shepherd his church and learn God's word. So let's meet Elia. My name is Elia Wadala Kwenda. He's pastor by God's grace. Uh, I'm pastoring a church here behind uh, the church name is Hope Community Church. We meet every Sunday for corporate worship. Our services start from 9 up to half 11. Every Sunday we're gathering like 100, I mean 220, 250 members. Um, I am a student at Kappa. I just finished my first year and uh, ready to start second year. Uh, I came to Kappa through uh, Reverend Gideon Manda. Uh, uh, let me mention here that it is always good and perfect to have fathers in the spirit. He's been my father, he's been my mentor. So when Kappa came, he knew who needed it most. Because uh, uh, all along, though I have a sense of calling into ministry, but I have had no formal theological training. This is not because there were no schools, but uh, I just didn't want to go to a school where I would spend four years and then I'll come back, kind of like separating myself from the work that God has called me to do. So when Kappa came with uh, the system of teaching, we go there two weeks and then we come back. I feel I'm still connected to the ministry and um, I am enjoying the studies there. It is good. I think it is, uh, uh, it is timely for me to, 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 to do this. Uh, for the work of the Lord that has given me. Kappa is Central African Preaching Academy. Yeah, after finishing my first year, this is something that I didn't know in the Old Testament before. Uh, as a preacher, I was uh, just taking the passage, going straight as if it is referring to us in those days. After going through the studies in the Old Testament, I realized that as a church, we are the church and we are not the nation of Israel. In the first place, when the passage is talking about the promise of the covenant with the people of Israel, with God, we, I, I used to take that as if it is referring to me. I didn't know that. So before, I was not able to bridge from the Old Testament and, and to the New Testament. I was just taking everything as if God is speaking to us directly and without knowing the, 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 the the context and uh, the historical context and all that. So I'm really happy. I believe uh, uh, we are making strides in terms of uh, application of what the Bible is saying in our day. And um, after that, in coming up to the New Testament, I also had a problem to differentiate, especially the, 
the book of Revelation. I, I didn't know it was uh, divided, I mean, it was divided in a way that uh, it also have the, uh, an aspect of the future, the way the tribulation period is described. I never knew about that. And uh, I, I was mixed up things. And I thought when I came to Kappa, I started studying, I said, wow. One thing of Kappa, they gave us the tools. They are giving us the tools. So I'm able to see by myself, not just telling us, but we are able to see the GC thing and uh, biblical interpretation. So we are able to see what, where, and when, and who. So those things, uh, they are really helping me, and uh, I am, I am I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm studying. Now that uh, I'm thanking God for the Kappa, for the school at Kappa, I'm also trusting God that uh, he'll help me to finish well. Uh, why? why? Why finishing well? The, the vision that we believe God is showing us, is giving us, directing us to, is uh, to ensure that we decentralize whatever I am learning at Kappa. There are many people in our church, even so-called leaders or laymen, some of them we call them pastors, they are in the typical villages, with minimal education that they cannot participate at Kappa. Um, we want to teach them the same things after we have uh, finished, I want to have a, a, a college, not like Kappa, but uh, something that will uh, find these people at their own level. We have many of our people in the church, in the villages, that uh, they would only understand things in Chichewa. So I, if God's willing, I want to participate in the translation of the Bible on a small extent, but on the large extent, I want to be involved in training people in this church, uh, specifically in this church. So we want to have uh, uh, training programs, but then it will be in Chichewa. So we will learn everything there. We have the work to translate them. I believe that there are people, Gideon and other people will help us to do that so that we narrow down everything to those who cannot come up here. That's what we, we are planning for the church. That's his first year of seminary, and he gets it. Um, one thing I want you to key in on is he talked about translating his language, the national language, Chichewa, uh, English into Chichewa, so they could take the books that we would be accustomed to, put it in their language. Their people, most of them are by and large uneducated, maybe even um, not educated at all. And so that's where he is as a shepherd. He has to bring them up and train them God's word and, and simple things. And so uh, that's what we're trying to do is to train the locals to do this. He gets it. I could go to Malawi. I probably wouldn't survive. And I could try to train their people in the Chichewa language, but you know what? I have to spend many years learning it. That's his culture. Why would I do that? Why would we send somebody there? Why would we not just send him? He's already there. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, where are we? These are our brick-and-mortar locations. Uh, I won't go through them all. You can see them on the screen. Uh, in the Middle East, uh, you can see that we, and I'll mention this in a moment. I'll tell you where the schools are in the Middle East. Uh, but for now, you can see where we are. We're all over the world. Uh, next slide, you're going to see, go ahead, next slide, you're going to see where we're adding schools. In the, next, um, in the next five years, we're asking the Lord to help us add an additional 20 schools. That's more than 
Um, we have 17 now, so we're adding maybe 20 in the next five years. And you can see where those are uh, most imminently. Um, so Myanmar, uh, Yangon, Myanmar, you can see that up on the upper right. Jakarta, Indonesia, we have people on ground in all of these locations, master seminary trained. They're, um, they're indigenous, some of them. Some of them are Americans, but they're there with the people. In, uh, in, in South America, Buenos Aires, Argentina should be a, uh, a school probably within about a year. They've put in for their application. They've been, the, it's, it's a two-year process. So another year, we're going to add them, and then you can see several others. French-speaking Canada, by the way, uh, Canada. So they do a lot of translating right now of books into the French language out of that school already, but it'll be a nice fit. London, we need another theological school in London, Right? Because the theological schools there are, uh, by and large, very liberal. So we're going to teach them how to preach, not just their theology, but how to, that plus preaching. So let's go to the next slide. TMI has, as I said, 17 schools, uh, about 67 training locations. That is to say that though we have the brick and the mortar, we're, we're moving our people out and our people are going out and discipling. I'll get into more about how we do that in a moment. Uh, as I said, we have about 6,000 graduates serving in 80 nations right now, about 2,000 current students. Um, the exciting thing is the book translations and the original works that we're publishing. Um, we're talking about Russia a minute ago. Russia, one of our professors in Russia, recently wrote an exegetical commentary on the book of Genesis. It's about that thick. He had to take the Hebrew language and interact with the Hebrew language and then say in Russian what was going on. Most Americans can't do that. Russian's pretty hard, right, John? So give it to a Russian. Let them do it. He's the first Russian that's ever written an exegetical uh, commentary in that language. So this is what's going on around the world. 71% of TMAI faculty are indigenous, meaning that's, they're, they're in their culture. We might have trained them in the U.S., or we might have trained them right there in their culture, but they're the ones that are running the schools. Next. Well, of course, TMEI relies on the prayer and, of course, the support. I guess that's why you've had me here. You want to hear about this or pray about as a church, supporting or individually. If that's something you want to do, then we're here to, uh, to tell about how to do that. Make sure you fill out one of these cards over here because that way you can keep in touch with us and maybe you'll get a MacArthur book at the end of this thing. So next one. All right, this is one of our last slides, uh, videos. This is, um, how are we doing for time? Oh, good, okay. This is uh, Gideon Monday. You've heard his name mentioned a couple of times. Gideon is working on his doctorate right now. He's a Malawian, but he's working on his doctorate at the Master's Seminary in expository preaching, and he is the dean of the school. One of these days, he'll be the president of the school. We're training him up for that. He's just not quite ready yet, but uh, love Gideon Monda. Go ahead. I'm Gideon Manda, I'm the Dean of Students at, at CAPA, Central African Preaching Academy. Um, I'm always waking up and excited doing what I do at CAPA because of uh, the fact that if you've heard in missions, they say the church in Africa is a mile wide and an inch deep. Ideally what that means is the church is not taught. We in the Africa, the church many times we emphasize emotions and not the word of God. So I'm excited to see every time when students graduate they come with little knowledge and they go out committed to preaching and teaching God's word from the text. I'm so excited for that and I'm grateful to the Lord that I'm part of that process. 
What caught my attention was to, to train men to rightly divide the word. And looking at the need in our country where a lot of men would read a passage and say something else that was not in the passage and at times not even in scriptures. That to me was the greatest need of our church in Malawi. And so when Brian Biedebach invited me to be part of this work, to come and change men to be committed to the text, not only in our language or in English, but in the original languages, I was so excited and I'm, I'm glad I'm part of this. When you pray for Kappa, these are some areas that you need to focus on. There's a process of bringing in student admission. Pray that God would send us men that are called, men that God knows will do the work, that we can train them. Even when they are attending our classes, pray for them that they will not just learn the truth and have head knowledge, but the truth will sink in their hearts and change them to become the vessels that God wants them to be. Pray that they, their families will be examples to the communities which they have been called to minister. Pray that they'll have the resources to, to do school. And pray that God will be honored even in the process of just training this man. I'd like to say this to all of you that we're so grateful to the people of America, the church in America. What you're doing to the church in Malawi is something that we humbles us. And we see that in the gesture of you praying for the church here and praying for these students and the work here in honor of the Lord is a great contribution to the kingdom of God. And we thank God for this great contribution you're making. May God bless you. Thank you so much. I pray each and every one of you can meet him in person one of these days. He is a fascinating guy, loves the Lord. Next slide. Um, if you'd like updates, as I said, you can fill out the card or you can go right to the TMA website and register for that. There's my email address if you ever want to exchange uh, emails with me. I'm more than happy to do so. Again, sign up with the card back here or online. Uh, next slide. That's the end of it. So um, that is TMAI. Could you fill 30 seconds with what you know about TMAI now? Okay, so I'm going to ask this question during the service. Make sure you keep your hand up so I don't look real bad, all right? You ought to be able to fill 30 seconds, but uh, I just want people to see. We're going to get into Acts chapter 10. We're going to talk about reaching the ethnicities for Christ. And when I do that, be thinking about what you just heard this morning. Very important. Now, we have some time for questions, right? As long as we can. What, what questions do you have? Speak loudly. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, how much do we run into the prosperity gospel and into animism? It's everywhere. Um, first, the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is very thick in the after African countries. Uh, again, poor nations. They want a message that, uh, that would make them believe that God will make life better for them. And that's not the message of the gospel. Um, Jesus says, you'll suffer for my name's sake. And so we run into that problem, and we have to overcome that problem. The way we overcome it is by training our people to understand the text. Let me give an example. Um, one of the guys you saw a picture of him, I didn't point him out earlier, he is a uh, Pentecostal uh, pastor and was very big into the prosperity gospel. Um, one day, one of our graduates was in a meeting with this guy, and he is the leader of the Pentecostal movement in the entire country of Malawi. And he was in a meeting with this guy and several other pastors in the same kind of a movement. 
and they were talking about a particular passage in Scripture, and our graduates said, um, you know, I've been trained on this passage. Would it be okay if I talk about what the passage teaches? And they said, well, please. So he broke down the passage. He outlined it. He, he put it in understandable form and explained it to the people, and everybody's jaws just dropped. They said, where did you get that? How did you know how to do this? Nobody knows how to do this in our country. I got that at Kappa, Central African Preaching Academy. Well, the guy who's the head of this organization uh, went there, and he wanted to take issue with the professors, sort of. But he also wanted the training. But he was, you know, running the tracks because he wanted to make sure he could still be prosperity gospel, but he also wanted to be able to teach the Bible. So they said, just be patient. We'll teach you how to teach the Bible, and things will change. So he went through his three-year program, got his master's degree in expository preaching. He's no longer a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. And the fact that he's the head of the entire organization, and now he is standing up and saying, no, this is what the passage teaches in the original language. Here's the Greek. Let me explain it to you in whatever language that he has to explain it. So that's what we're running into, is just patiently working them through it. Um, a big help has been Kosti Hinn. Anybody know Kosti Hinn? Uh, Benny Hinn's nephew, who's a very strong believer pastor in Arizona. He's been helpful for us to help us understand how to reach them because uh, he and his uncle would fly into those countries and steal their resources with their faith healing services and leave. But now he helps us to understand how to reach those. Animism, it's the same thing. Preach the text, live the text, and just let people slowly but surely uh, be exposed to God's word and, and then lives change. Mm -hmm. Every student around the world has to pay something. Uh, they have to pay something because they have to own it. Uh, and a lot of countries, especially Africa and then um, poorer countries, um, it's, they want the respect for having many degrees, especially master's degrees. They're getting a great education, but if we just give it to them, then they're just going to school all the time. We want students, that's what we're looking for, we want students who are going to roll out, like your pastor, uh, shepherd a church, and teach them to do the work of the ministry. So they have to be a part of the ownership process. Uh, we stretch them, but not so far that it's impossible. And so that's what we do. The financial resources that we raise goes to, um, by and large, it goes to cover tuition, which obviously covers professors and brick and mortar and all the rest of it. So, yeah. Next question. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, we're, this is fresh on my mind because we, we had our, what we call our global directors meeting just last week on Zoom. And one of the big things that we're struggling with now is coming up with a, um, a, a technical solution to reaching into these closed access countries without our people uh, suffering persecution because, like in China, for example, if you're studying a theological education using the internet, you're probably going to get caught. So how do we get around that? And I was just mentioning this to some of our IT guys even last night. How do we get around that? And that's what we're thinking through. That's the struggle with the current environment. So that's the big one. Um, the other big one is uh, the shepherding of these guys after they graduate. It's easy to fall back into the previous culture and preach the same way. And so there's that, there's that shepherding, discipleship, and accountability 
That happens here in the U.S. You send a pastor. I, I pastored a church in western Kentucky. The closest uh, pastor that was like-minded to me was 105 miles away. So there's phone call time. There's encouragement time. Hey, I need some help. I need to run something by you. So uh, just because they graduate doesn't mean they've arrived and they can conquer all things. You, you depend on your pastor friends around the country, fellow graduates? Yeah. That's, those are the two big ones right now. Thanks. Pray for that. Any other questions? No? Okay. Don't forget to, one per family. There's not enough for everybody, but uh, grab one. And if you want more, make sure you send me a note. You saw my email earlier, eweathers at tma.org. We will get one into your hands. Uh, Fill out the card. It's back on the chair. And also take one of these. That way you can get an update on what's going on around the world. Pastor, you want to close in prayer or make any comments? Yeah, we can go ahead and close in prayer. Okay. Father, we're grateful for this morning. We're thankful for the Great Commission. We're thankful that the 11 guys that you uh, were there, they were the recipients of the great command to reach the ethnicities with the gospel of Christ. They were faithful. Our church fathers in the uh, third, fourth centuries were faithful. They took a beating for being faithful. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Reformation era were faithful. Many lost their lives, burned at the stake, decapitated. And we find ourselves in the year 2021, and we are responsible to reach the ethnicities of the world with the gospel of Christ. We pray for those that you are raising up around the world in their own neighborhoods, their own towns and villages, their nations, that they would have a heart to reach their neighboring countries and neighboring towns, and that you would do this through uh, trained shepherds, trained shepherds, just as Charlie Romp from Edsay said. We want pastor expositors. We want theological giants in the faith who will stand strong for Christ, no matter the danger, cost, or consequences. We pray, Lord, that you continue to bless this church, Grace Church, uh, raise up a strong body of believers who will reach their neighborhood and their their, um, their towns, this state, and other countries with the truth of the gospel. We pray that you do that in the homes as parents shepherd and disciple their children and tell them everything Jesus ever said. Guide them through that process. Bring about trust and faith and forgiveness in the home as we reach into the lives of our very own loved ones to, uh, to see them come to Christ. Would you honor that prayer, Father? We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.